I'm going to go ahead and get into this message this morning. How many of you know that you're blessed? Yeah. I'll tell you a little story about something that happened to me when I was in sixth grade. We lived in Jasper. My brother was in second grade. And we were on Christmas break. And uh, mom had an interview. Uh, It was her final interview for this job. And it was right around the corner. And so mom says, look, I need to go uh, to this interview. You boys, be good. And don't do anything stupid. How many of you told your kids that before? Don't do anything stupid, right? And usually what happens? They do something stupid, right? So mom leaves. And during this time, my brother and I are watching TV. And one of the greatest things in the world at, at, at being a sixth grader to see on TV back then were the BMX bicycle races on the dirt mounds and stuff, you know. You already see what's coming, don't you? And so uh, we're watching that, and I'm just excited and motivated. And in my mind, I go, man, I can do that. And my brother for Christmas had just gotten this brand new bicycle, and it was called Rawhide. He had the big chopper handlebars and the banana seat. Y'all remember the banana seats on the bicycles? Yeah. Had cowboys on the side of it, you know. And I'm thinking to myself, Man, I can get that brand new bicycle. I'm going to make me a ramp, and I'm going to jump it. We lived on a cul-de-sac, but there's not really many houses on our street. And so the beginning of our road had this incline, and it would come down into the street. So, man, I'm thinking speed, height. I'm going to be a BMX bicycle jumper. That's what I'm going to do. So my brother also got this big Tonka truck he just bought for, got for Christmas. Man, it had the big wheels on it and everything. So I took that Tonka truck, set it sideways, went out and got a board, a plywood board from the back of our house. I set it on the tr- Tonka truck like this. Not like this, not like this, like this. I kid you not. I'm going for height, ladies and gentlemen. So I tell my brother, you stand here and you watch. He's like, Okay. So I go up to the top of the hill and I go. And I'm going. The moment I get to the ramp, I hear these words in my head don't do anything stupid. And then as the front tire hits the ramp, I see my life flash before my eyes, all 11 years of it. And I think. I need to be smart. And I hit my brakes. When I hit my brakes, the front tire is already off the ramp and the back tire is not at this angle. Causing the front tire to go forward, the back tire to come over the top. And I'm a little top heavy if you haven't seen. And I land on the asphalt like this. And rock and blood. And I hear something go. Pow. And immediately. I can't breathe. And I can't move. And I'm thinking. I've broke my neck. And my brother's like this. <laughs> and I do this. I go. <laughs> you know when your kids. You know when they got that cry so hard. Nothing comes out. You know, and all of a sudden, go call mama. Mom left specific instructions with a phone number 
Do not call unless it's a dying emergency. So I go in the house. Ah! My neck's broke. Oh, my God, I broke my neck. Blood running all down. My brother calls. And this is a, it's a grocery store that my mom's going to work at. And my mother said that when they paged her, they could hear me screaming on the phone across the intercom. And the first words my brother says to my mother is, it's a dying emergency. So mom comes home and I'm on the couch going, ah, ah. And she's like, what did you do? What did you do? I told you don't do anything stupid. What's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? Let me see. Let me see. Ah, ah. And I'm dying. She says, come on. There's nothing wrong with you, but I'm taking you to the doctor. She was mad. I ought to beat you right now. I ought to whoop your tail. All the way to the doctor. Get in that doctor. Oh, God. You're just bleeding. You're okay. And I go in, and the doctor, he, he says, okay, calm down, calm down. They wipe my face off. And I've got like this. He goes, let me see, let me see. And he pushes over. And all of a sudden, you can see my collarbone sticking up where it had snapped. It's grossing y'all out, huh? And mama goes, oh, my baby. Oh, my baby. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. I didn't know. Your collarbone was broke. I told you my neck was broke. Your neck's not broke, son. It's your collarbone. True story. Every bit of it. They had to put me in this strap thing. That pulls it back, and they were going to give me a shot because he had to pop it back in place. I said, I don't want no shot. He's like, but you're going to, it's going to hurt. I said, I'm already hurting. I don't want a shot. I hated shots. They're okay now. Then, I uh-uh, no. So he goes, and he sticks his knee in my back, and he grabs that strap, and he goes, and he goes pop. And I went, mm. oh. And so for eight weeks, I had to walk around with that strap. And what it does is it pulls your shoulders back. So I'm walking around like this all day long. Man, what's wrong with you? Ain't nothing wrong with me, man. I'm bad to bone. Broke my collarbone. I'm all right. Jumping around. I'm evil Knievel, baby. What's wrong with your face? It's been like this all my life. I got no war. Fight. Dogs. Me and dogs, man. But what happened between don't do anything stupid... And doing something stupid. I got distracted. I got distracted. You know, we, we just had a presbytery and we've been talking about potential and purpose and all these things and, and lifting of the lids and the future of our church. And you know, there's something right now that the enemy wants to do is he wants to distract you. Because he knows with those words that were given. And everything that's been spoken into your life. Distractions. Come. Even when you're trying to live life. When you're trying to parent. When you're trying to do all these things. Distractions. I had that done, y'all. Just letting you know. It wasn't, it wasn't an accident. That was on purpose. But did you see... How that distraction works? Do you see that? 
Your attention was really no longer on what I was saying, but my phone ringing. We can't lose focus. There's a bumper sticker that says this. It says, God loves you and everyone else has a wonderful plan for your life. Did you get that? God loves you and everybody else has a wonderful plan for your life. You know, back in the medieval days in Europe, there was a torture that they used to do. They used to have some terrible torture devices and stuff. But one of the tortures they would do is they would tie ropes to each one of the limbs of the victim. And they would tie that rope to a horse. And they would pull in different directions. Do you know what that word is called? It's called distraction. That's the name of that torture. Being pulled in different directions. So I want you to turn with me to Matthew 13. We live in an age where we are murdered by multitasking. How many of you know that? This thing right here, hey, this thing right here, we have the information of the universe that fits into our pocket. It is a blessing and is a curse. Because it is a distraction. It's a distraction. John 10, 10, it says that the thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. Now, this is not at gunpoint. He comes with distractions. Tell your neighbor this. Say, your distractions are killing you. Come on, tell your neighbor. Your distractions are killing you. All right? It kills your focus, it kills your mind, it kills your peace, your opportunities, your joy, your relationships, your career, what could have been, what might be. Are there days that you just feel pulled apart? Yeah. Like you're going in all kind of directions. Satan shows up. You know what? It's not just the bad things. It's good things too. It's good things also. You know, like your kids want your attention, but you got to go prep for a sermon. And then you need to go prep for a sermon, but somebody needs counseling. And somebody needs counseling, but you need to return that phone call that you didn't return. And, 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 and then when you need to do that, your wife needs you to go take care of something else. And y- y'all understand what I'm saying? And it's this person needs this and this person needs that. And I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying don't call me. What I'm telling you is y'all understand what I'm talking about. It feels like you're being pulled, your job, your family, your this, that, another is pulling you all different directions and you feel distracted. I wish my kids, when they were littler, you know, even now sometimes they had a do not disturb button. You ever wish you had a kid had that like the phone? Just kind of swipe it. No, daddy does not want to watch Frozen again. For the 50th time. I got to go do this business. I don't care if you want to build a snowman. No. We're not going to do it. I ain't got time. All these things that come. In Matthew chapter 13. Before we go to that. I want to I set the scene. Because the first verse in 13 says. Now the same day Jesus went out of the house. And sat by the sea. Well, what was he doing before? Well if we go back in, ver- in chapter 12. And we read starting in verse 46. It says, while he was still speaking to the people, behold, his mother and his brother stood outside asking to speak to him. But he replied to the man who told him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? 
and stretched out his hand towards the disciples and said, Here are my mothers and my brothers. For whoever does the will of the Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Jesus did not lose focus. Even on, and this was, These were people that were good. They weren't trying to do something bad to him. It was really his mom and his brother. But it, it was trying to cause him to get off focus for the thing that he was doing at that moment. But Jesus stayed on focus. Don't try this at home, teenagers. Don't try this here. When your mama, if somebody comes up and goes, hey, your mom wants you, don't go, who are my mothers and my brothers? That woman that paid your light bill and wiped your tail when you was a little kid. That's your mama. You better go see her. Jesus had focus. Jesus had a, 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 something he was doing. And he, he took care of his business. But I want you to see in chapter 13 as it goes along, in verse 2 it says, And great crowds gathered around him so that he got into the boat and he sat down and the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and he sowed, and some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. And other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. And other seeds fell on good soil, produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. In other words, listen. Don't be distracted. Listen to what I'm telling you. And then I want to skip over to to verse 18 because they leave from there and the disciples are kind of scratching their head and like, Jesus, what, what is it that you actually meant when you said all those things? See, Jesus spoke in parables and what he did was he told stories that the people of that area would understand because it's something that they did all the time. In other words, that was an agricultural area. There were a lot of farmers in that area. And, and he couldn't say things in a spiritual word because they wouldn't understand. You know the scripture that says, The natural man discerns not the things of God for their foolishness to him, neither can he know them for they're spiritually discerned. So he had to talk in natural language when he's speaking to these people and saying, Hey, you guys are farmers. I'm going to tell you a story. So even the disciples were kind of like, what are you talking about? And he goes in verse 18. He says this. It's explained. He says, hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches it away. Okay? What has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground... This is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. And in the first part when he was talking about that, he says the seed gets scorched. And then it goes on in verse 20, uh, 22. It says, as for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word. But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word. And it proves unfruitful. As for the one that was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word, understands it. And he indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case, a hundredfold, in other sixty, in other thirty. He's explaining what this meant. I've always heard this as being four different types of people that hear the word. But can I 
Can we, can we go a different direction today? And can I put this before you that maybe God is speaking to the four conditions of our heart at any given time. Maybe at 9 o'clock in the morning, you're pretty good soil. But by noon, you're getting rocky ground. You're getting a little rough on the edges. And by 3 o'clock, you are burnt out. And by 5 o'clock... You are choked. Amen? Some of y'all understand what I'm saying? So I want to talk to you about four different areas of distraction. And I'm going to try to do this quickly. Number one, the states of the heart. Just like the four horses that are pulling at all different directions. Number one, snatched. The good seed was snatched before you even get home from church the enemy is going to try to snatch this word from you have you ever had something snatched out of your life because of distractions anybody nobody in here has ever had that yeah come on something taken out of your life because of distraction you know the older i get the more i tend to have trouble remembering things and my mind gets distracted real easy. Amen, Leanna? She's back there going, mm-hmm. I mean, I could be having a word from the Lord and getting ready to type it into my phone. And I type in Moses and it autocorrects to milk. And then I go, do we have milk at home? I call Leanna and go, hey, do we have milk? No, you need to pick some up. Okay. And I get home and Leanna goes, did you get that milk? I'm like, no. I forgot <laughs> I was typing Moses. I remember. That's how our brains work. Along the path, the enemy snatches things before it can become fruitful. The seed that God throws out. Seeds of moments, of opportunities, of responsibility, of growth, blessing someone. Every day, God's throwing out this good seed into our life. Every day. But birds come and they steal it away. And we will never know what those seeds could have been because of distractions in our life. You know, it's funny. How many of y'all have Twitter? Raise your hand if you have Twitter. I have Twitter. What's the icon on a Twitter? It's a bird. <laughs> Do you know that social media is so distracting? It's a great tool, but man, is it distracting. It steals our moments because we don't have control of it. It's so sad that we know what our friends had for dinner yesterday, but we don't know who our kids are hanging out with. Oh, me. The birds of the air come and steal. Technology is great. It's wonderful. But we are now more efficiently distracted than ever before in the history of humanity. Distractions. You say, why are you picking on social media? Let's Netflix. Who has Netflix? Anybody have Netflix? Yeah. You're on, you, you plan a date. And you sit down to watch a two-hour movie. But instead of watching a two-hour movie, you spend two hours trying to find a movie, right? You know what I'm talking about? 
And your date's gone. It's wasted because you couldn't find the movie. You want to watch that? No, I don't want to watch that. What do you want to watch? I don't care. Well, let's watch this. No, I don't want to watch that. You said you didn't care. I'm just confessing, y'all, because when I, when, I, when I started putting this message together, God going, mm, how are you going to say that? You know, that's in you too, buddy. Birds flying around all in my head, snatching away life and purpose. It's going to happen when you leave church today. You won't even make it out to the parking lot. Something's going to distract you. Let me challenge you to do something. Get in the car for the next four weeks, and whoever you're with, If you're not with nobody, just talk to yourself. And say this to the people in the car with you. Say, what did God say to you today in the message? If it's your kids, say, what did he say to you in kids' church today? Try it for four weeks. Instead of going, where do you want to go eat? Y'all know it's one of the first questions when you get in the car. Where do you want to go eat at? I don't care. Okay, I don't care either. Well, let's go to Crazy Jose's. I don't like Crazy Jose's. But you said you didn't care. Well, anywhere but there. Okay, let's go to Kodiyama. I don't like Kodiyama. <laughs> well, tell me where you want to go. I don't care. How many? Come on, raise your hand. Oh, yes. Yes, we have a witnesses in the house. It was mostly men that raised their hand. Mostly men. That's great. You raise your head for your husband. He's not here to defend himself. Can't do that. It's, oh, it's you for you. Okay. You ever see that game when we were younger on Nintendo, that duck hunt? That's what I'm trying to do today. We're trying to kill some birds today. All right? Distractions. The birds keep fruit from being bearing in your life. Amen? Let's move on to the next one. Tell your neighbor this first. Say, don't let the birds steal your good seed. Some of y'all stuttered like I did too. (laughs) Just to steal your good seed. Don't mock me up here. I'll preach harder. All right. Number two. Number two. The second things that happen to good seed is they get scorched. Say scorched. Verse five and six. Five and six, other seed fell on rocky ground. There they did not have much soil. Immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. This is for those who live life very superficially and at a shallow level. We're busy, but we aren't producing anything. We're busy all the time. Close your eyes. If that's you, raise your hand. Put your hands down. Open your eyes. I still got my hand up. Busy. What are you doing? Man, I am busy, man. I've been busy, and I am. But it's not on a lot of stuff that produce anything. Even in church, William, sometimes. Sometimes I need to go, you know what? That's enough. Let's get on things that will be more productive. Busy. Stuff planted in shallow soil. 
It has the appearance of life, but it isn't life. It appears productive, but it's not because it has no root. You know, root represents commitment. That's what it represents. Let me ask you something. What are you anchored to today? What, are, what, what has you rooted? What's making you stand strong? What is producing fruit in your life? What is it? So many of us are unrooted, and that's why we're so easily distracted. We have no guiding sense of principles or priorities to make our decisions by. We're not rooted. And I'm going to say this because we can all identify our health. Every year, we always say, I'm going to start watching what I eat, and I'm going to take care of myself. I'm going to get healthier. I'm going to get fit, and I'm going to, man, I am going to get my health in order, don't we? Yes, yes, yes. Thanks, Kenneth. Appreciate that, brother. We say that, but then we go to the office, and Jack in HR has a birthday. Who is Jack in HR? You don't even know him, but you're going to eat one of them cupcakes. Happy birthday. Don't even know who you are, man, but give me one of them cupcakes, right? How many of you know that? Man, you go in the office, and the day you want to start eating right is the day they bring the most donuts and kolaches ever. Distractions. They're there. Man, why you got to talk about fitness, man? Come on. I'm about to fit in this whole pizza in my mouth. <laughs> Maybe it's not fitness. Maybe it's not health. Maybe it's uncommitted church members. I was like, oh, you're here. You're okay. You're all right. And even if you haven't been here in seven weeks, it's okay. You're here. You're here. Get committed. It's all right. We find some of the silliest distraction excuses to not go to church. You know, little Billy, he, I think he was running a fever. No, we didn't check his temperature, and his forehead wasn't really hot. He sure was sweating a little bit. We decided not to go. And, and this, this question, I never asked, got asked this question by my mom. Asking your teenager, do you want to go to church today? Since when does your kid have a corner office in your house? My mom is, boy, you better get up. We're going to the house of the Lord today. Me and my house, we will serve the Lord, and I'll drag you in your underwear, son. I will take you to church. You are going to hear the Lord today. Because you done got on my last nerve, and I need some Jesus on you, boy. I got, I got hands, I got rejoicing, I got testimony in the house. But we don't, we give them options. We say, do you want to go to church or not? And then we wonder why little Billy, when he's 30, he, he, he doesn't go to church and he can't stay married and nothing's working out in his life because you never taught him how to put God first in his life. We'll teach them to be faithful to all these other things, but faithful to church. Come on, y'all. God understands. He knows. Yes, He does. But don't you think He's holy and worthy enough for your devotion? If not for God, you would have nothing. Nothing. 
nothing. I done got all out of my notes. No priorities. No sense of value. We need to be rooted so that our kids will be rooted. What will be said of you when your kids become adults? Mom and dad were rooted. They were solid. What they said, they believed. And what they did, they meant it. Or will they say, man, mom and dad, they show up to church every once in a while. And then, man, they get home and they fought all the time. And, man, eh, I don't want that kind of life. James 1.8 says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Are we so busy doing things, mess and stuff, that we produce nothing? What are we producing? Is the good seed getting scorched in our life? I got to hurry up. Third thing, choked. Verse 22. As for what was sown among thorns... This is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world. Let's stop right there. Let's just stop right there for a minute. Worries. Worries. Things that we stress about and worry about. Some of us, listen to me very carefully. Some of us are not distracted by things that are actually happening in our lives. We are distracted by our interpretation of things that are happening in our lives. The devil plays this game all day with us. He can destroy you by distracting you, not by really doing anything to you, but just making you think something's going to happen. The enemy gets you thinking one way, And clamps your every emotion until you feel like you can't breathe. I'm choking. I'm stressed. Life is choking me out. It's said that 95% of the things that we worry about on a daily basis never happen. Listen to this. You could change your mind the way you think and it would change your life even if your circumstances didn't change at all. Now listen, I, listen to me. I know there's problems. I know there's things that happen. I know there's sickness. I know there's things going on. I'm not saying, well, I don't believe it. I don't claim I'm, I'm, I know that. But how many of you know there's so much more that we worry and stress about that the enemy tries to put on us that's not even worth stressing over. Constant worry and stress. You know what stress does? Listen, this is what stress does. I went and looked this up on WebMD. You know that place you can go self-diagnose yourself at? You know? How many of you know that person? Raise your hand. How many of you are that person? Raise your hand. Okay. All right. Stress. Stress causes headaches, chest pain. Fatigue, upset stomach, sleep problems, muscle tension or pain, changing your sex drive, anxiety, lack of motivation, feeling overwhelmed, sadness, depression, irritable, angry, restlessness, can cause high blood pressure, heart disease, insomnia, obesity, and diabetes. That's stress. That's not a cupcake. 
Although that causes things too. But this is stress we're talking about. Listen, most of the time it's not people, it's not things, it's not appointments. It's the battle in the mind, the worries, the stress. You're choking on your thoughts. Choking you, the life out of you. Let's finish that scripture, 22. And the deceitfulness of riches choke the word. And it proves unfruitful. The deceitfulness of wealth, of riches. Listen, I'm not, well, yeah, he's talking about Mark Cuban or Donald Trump or Oprah or any of those billionaires, you know. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking to all of us here in this room. You know, if we're honest and we're truthful with ourselves, we have a lot of stuff, don't we? Think about it now. Think about it. We have a lot of stuff. I have a shed behind my house. It's full of stuff. I don't even use it. It's just in there in boxes and stuff. It's been sitting there. I go in my closet and things are stuffed up, you know, and I don't even use them. They're just in there. Stuff. How many know? How many understand? Yeah. I'm confessing here. Come on. We have stuff. And you hear people say, well, money is the root of all evil. No, it's the love of money that is the root of all evil. Rebecca, don't make fun of me because I said Mooney. You know, I've met people who don't have much money who are way more obsessed about money than those who have a lot of it. Now, I do believe wealth and provision are a gift from God. I believe that. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father. But not at the expense of the relationship. When we begin to think the stuff can satisfy, we begin to choke. Choke. Because we then begin to put our trust in stuff rather than the provider. Many parents today run around all day trying to make more money so we can give our kids more stuff and they never give kids what they really need the most themselves. It's choking us. Distractions. Distractions are choking us. Listen, no amount of money will ever touch the value of a parent invested in time with their children. Never. Last thing. It said there's four. Well, you said there's good soil, William. That's the fourth thing. How can that be a distraction? Listen, let's go to 2427. I got to hurry. I'm almost done. 24 through 27. He put another parable before them saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, the enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore again, then the weeds appeared also. Good seed is being sown into this soil. All of this today isn't about the sower, nor is it about the seed. Today is about the soil. Our soil. The person next to you may have a lot more distractions than you do, but maybe they're managing it better because their heart is good soil. The word, the fourth word that we have here 
is sabotage. Sabotage. The enemy wants to come and sabotage the good seed that's planted in your good soil. You have a destiny, a purpose. You have potential. And if you're born again, the seed of God is inside of you. Amen? But you also have an enemy. And the enemy loves to catch you sleeping. He plants weeds amongst your destiny. Listen, I want you to hear me. Because a lot of people are at this place right now. Especially after just getting words and the, and, the, and the word that's been spoken over this church. And the future of this church. I want you to hear what I'm about to tell you. The enemy cannot pluck up your destiny. God planted that in you. But he can plant things next to it that will grow and keep you from recognizing it. This is why pornography is so destructive. It's destructive. Because kids see it at an early age. And it becomes embedded in their mind of what to expect. And becomes on the forefront of their mind. The enemy can plant it early in life. It will distract our young people from their destiny as they grow older. Choking out the harvest before it ever arrives. There are things in our life that are constantly distracting us from God's purpose in our life. God is always throwing out good seed in our lives every day. But a lot of times it gets sabotaged. Bow your heads with me. Many of you today... The enemy has come to snatch away God's purpose for your life. The seed. Some of you have been satisfied with a shallow spiritual life. And the enemy is scorching the seeds in your life because you aren't rooted. You aren't committed. Some of you live in constant worry. Some of you are trying to buy happiness. Stressing so much. That it's choking you every day. It's destroying you. As some of you have fallen asleep. And the enemy is trying to sabotage your destiny. Distractions. The Holy Spirit today is saying, wake up, O oh sleeper. i got a purpose for your life. This world isn't going to give you. What you're searching for. You're being pulled in all kind of directions. God's come today to break the chains. It's time to focus. To turn our eyes upon Jesus. To look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will go strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. With nobody looking around right now, how many could say, this message spoke to me, I have distractions in my life, raise your hand. All over this place. All over this place. Put your hands down. I don't think hardly anybody didn't raise their hand. 
And if you didn't raise your hand, I'm glad you got it together. I'll raise my hand. Today, we need to refocus. Today, we need to draw into our families. You know what? Some of it's going to take some real strong discipline. Some of you out there are addicted to social media. You can't, you can't be without your phone for a second. Some of you are so busy doing things that your kids are suffering for it. Some of you out there are stressed and so worried that it's making you sick. Some of you are so focused on making a dollar, extra dollar, because you think of what you could do, how quick you could do these things. And we say, God, I'll make all this money and I'll bless you with it. And God's going, bless me with what you have now and I'll bless you more. And we're, we're asking God for all these blessings, but we're not even seeing the blessings that are right at our feet because we're distracted. I'm not going to ask for a ministry team today, but I am going to say this. There's an altar here. Some of you never came down to this altar. Some of you say, I don't want to make my business known to public. This ain't about the public. This is about you and God. An altar is a place where sacrifices are made, where things were laid down. Today, it's not about the person sitting next to you or the person that you thought about during all this that said, man, they really should have heard this message. I hope they did. It's about you. It's about me. We're not going to take long. But I'm going to ask you, when I say stand up, if you raised your hand, and even if you didn't, and you need to come and you need to recommit your focus to the Lord, I want to ask you, don't you hesitate. Don't you wait. Don't let anything distract you. You come and give it to the Lord as we stand to our feet right now. Come on. Come on.